Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Let's give Jesus a praise now. Come on. Come on, we did that good for everybody else. This is for the Lord. Don't you love him? And don't you love your pastors? Come on, Pastor Jeffrey, Pastor Amy. I want to honor Pastor Gary, Pastor Janice. Such a beautiful legacy of leadership that you have here. And uh, we're just honored to be here in, in Florida. Anytime uh, Pastor Jeffrey wants me to be here, I'll be here instantly. Especially anytime around January or February or March. Anybody's ever been to Minnesota? couple people every time you open your freezer just think of me pray for me and uh but i'm just so honored uh to be here uh with you guys today and don't you love to be a part of a church like this that preaches grace and truth come on amen it's just so great grace lets people belong but only truth sets people free you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free so everybody lift their hands come on all over the house say this with me say Jesus have your way in my heart let my life be changed by your presence thank you for the church thank you for the family of God and thank you for what you're gonna do today in Jesus name everybody one more time give the Lord a big praise turn to somebody Before you're seated, turn to somebody and say, I prophesy you're going to lose 10 pounds before this service is over today. Somebody say, I received that word. That's a word from the Lord. That's a word from the Lord. I'm so honored to be here with you. And uh, yeah, we, we did just just come out with our, our very first book, and we've got the whole family on it. It's called Raising Parents. And so we brought just a few of those today so you can pick that up uh, on your web because that's what we're doing. We're raising parents. We're not just raising adults that, you know, act childlike. You know, every one of my kids is a future mom, is a future dad, is a future leader, is a future CEO, is a future minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want them all to be what God has called them to be. How many of you want your kids to reach their destiny? Right? All of them reach their destiny. Their destiny is to be like Jesus. For those the Lord foreknew, he also predestined that they would be conformed into the image of his son. All of our kids are to be like the Lord. And so, so many different things you can pick up. Uh, that and all the proceeds of this book go to feed children. It goes to feed eight children, actually. It goes to feed eight kids. And so I've got eight of them. And so praise the Lord. I think they actually have a picture of our family that you can put up. There they are. And so we've got, um, yeah, there's a lot of kids. My grocery bill's insane. Let's see, we've got uh, 17. 15, just turned 15, 13, uh, 10, uh, seven or eight, I can't, Liliana's five, the twins just turned three, I'm gonna learn their names next, but that's their ages. 
And my wife is going to heaven no matter what. Give her a big God bless you. Pastor Joanne's going to heaven no matter what. My wife's from Panama, so that explains some things there. So, uh, but we're just we're just so honored uh, to be here with you guys today. And you know, if you have kids at home, or you wish you had kids at home, or you have kids at home that you wish would leave home, uh, today is for you. And and we want to talk about revival within our homes, revival within our families. I had a. A, a gentleman I was speaking on parenting a couple of months ago, and he came to me and said, uh, you know, we've got some older kids at home. Uh, do you have any advice on how to get them to leave the house? And I said, I, I, I don't just yet. I said, we're not, we're not quite there. The best advice I've heard, though, is if they won't leave and they're grown, just try walking around the house naked, and they'll leave today. So I don't know, just something to pray about. Uh, but that's the best advice I've heard. So our kids are planning on leaving before we get there. So I don't know. Um, but you know, the thing about parenting is you don't have to parent very long before you realize you don't know how to parent. Uh, you don't have to run a company very long before you realize you don't know how to do that. Life has a way of humbling you. Come on, am I right? Anybody with me on that? Life has a way of teaching you. You listen to young people and they go, I'll never, there's no way. And, you know, just very bold statements. And as you age, you know, you hear people change their tone. And as far as I know, they wouldn't. And as best I can remember, they, they haven't. Because Mike Tyson says it best, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And has anybody ever had life punch you right in the face and mess up your wonderful little plans? My wife and I had not been married very long uh, before we... Uh, we, we ended up making a very bad uh, decision. One of the worst financial decisions of my adult life was we got a dog, and the dog lived forever. And so uh, we went and got this dog because we were told by her doctor that she may not be able to have children, which this doctor knew nothing, obviously, by the way. And so we ended up with this dog, and the dog, you know, uh, we said, well, you know, we got this dog. We need to make sure the dog doesn't chew up everything and eat up everything. And so we're going to take the dog to get trained. And so we took the dog for, I think it was like a month of training. And, and just a few days before we were to pick the dog up, they called us and said, we need you to come in for training. And we said, no, just train the dog. They said, no, we need to train you. Because if we don't train you, you will destroy all of the training we've given the dog. And I looked at my wife and I said, isn't this something? You know if we need training for a dog, you know we need training for being a parent. For being a parent. The last thing you wanna do when it comes to being a parent is wing it. A lot of us are messed up because our parents winged it with us, right? We don't, we don't wanna wing it when it comes to parenting because parenting is gonna be one of the most challenging things that you ever do. It is definitely the most important thing that you ever will do in your life. And when it comes to parenting, we don't want to wing it. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Proverbs 4 and 5 says, get wisdom. Everybody say, get wisdom. And then it says, get an understanding. Everybody say, get an understanding. Very famous verse, Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way they should go that when they're old, they will not depart. Train them up when they're young, that when they're old, they will not depart. It says something about the beginning, says something about the end, says nothing about the messy middle. How many of you messed up in the middle? Two hands and a foot in the air, right? We've messed up in the middle. But you're here today in God's house because God's word is true to train you up in the way you should go that when you're old, you will 
not depart from the faith, to write it on their heart. So here it is, parents, it takes you. It takes you getting involved. And our children are never a burden. They are always, always a blessing. And you have the anointing to raise the children that God has given you. You have what it takes, you and you alone. What are you saying, Pastor Jonathan? I'm saying we have to stop outsourcing parenting. We have to stop outsourcing. Well, I'm not good at this. You teach them that, and you, and you guys teach them sport. You guys teach them how to read and write. You guys teach them the Bible, and if you don't teach the Bible, good, I'm gonna find a, another church. How about we take some personal responsibility for the children that God gave us, and we write the word of the Lord on their heart, and we stop outsourcing parenting. And so I wanna teach some of what Joanne and I have learned. It's by no means everything you need to learn. I wanna teach some of what we know. It's by no means everything you need to know when it comes to parenting. And I'm gonna do uh, my best to empty some of my cup, but just because I emptied my cup doesn't necessarily mean it filled yours. But what I want you to know is that you and you alone have the authority and the anointing to raise the children that God has given you. And this is what you need. You need an anointing. You need an anointing. How do you get an anointing? Not just by somebody touching you, just by going to some conference or seminar. Or, uh, you get an anointing. If you're taking notes, write it down. Number one, developing a history with God. You develop a history with the Lord. You win tests in private when no one's watching. You go through challenges and adversities that try to destroy you. And when they don't destroy you, God gives you an authority and an anointing in those areas of your life. And an anointing makes your words effective. Anytime you're talking to your teenager and they're looking back at you like you are invisible, you need an anointing. It requires spending time in the presence of Jesus. It requires spending time in the presence of the Lord and getting on your knees before the Lord and asking for a spirit of revival to fall in your home and fall on your children and say, God, I need an anointing to raise the children that you have given me so that when I speak to them, the words penetrate the darkness and touch their heart and they say, Mom, Dad, I feel Jesus in my heart and in my life. Prayer cannot be something you just practice on Sundays. Worship cannot be something that you just practice on Sundays. If, you own, if your children only see you do it on Sunday, it will be religion. And the best place to raise an atheist is a religious home. It has to be something that we live throughout the week. I remember as a teenager waking up in the middle of the night and seeing my mom praying in the Holy Spirit at the foot of my bed because I was a teenager and I had lost my mind. I remember walking into the house and seeing my parents worship and praise the Lord and, and praying in the Holy Spirit. And it taught me as a young person that this is a genuine, authentic relationship that they have with Jesus. Spending time in the presence of the Lord. Well, how much time do I need to spend with him until you're like him? How will I know when I'm like him? Your wife will tell you. Your husband will tell you, my Lord, you are like Jesus today. And when you don't spend time with Jesus, guess who you're not like? You're not like Jesus, you're like you. And we can be selfish, pushy, aggressive, manipulative, basically everything that's not like Jesus. 
So we've got to spend more than 15 minutes with the Lord a day. Spending 15 minutes with Jesus is equivalent to me working out 15 minutes a day. I can't tell and neither can anyone else. We need to spend more time in the presence of the Lord and teaching our children to pray. Teaching our children to call on the name of the Lord. See, God's first language is not English or Spanish. God's first language is visions and dreams. That's why a lot of times our kids don't understand us when we say, what is God saying to you? And they go, I don't hear God because they're listening for English. God's first language is visions and dreams. To say, what, are, what is God speaking to you? What are you seeing in visions and dreams? To turn the TV off. Come on, parents, 30 minutes, an hour before we go to bed and start pivoting their heart towards the Lord, pivoting their heart towards prayer, pivoting their heart towards worship, teaching our children to pray over each other and prophesy over each other. It cuts down on sibling rivalry when your children prophesy over each other. Yeah, expect them to be blessed. I prophesied over them since they were five years old. They were going to be a multimillionaire. God was going to use them to change the world for Jesus Christ. Engage prayer in your home. Well, prayer's boring. It's boring because you make it boring. Make it fun. Go on that 80-inch TV that you bought at Costco and zoom in on grandma's house on Google Maps and pray for grandma. Zoom in on your church and pray for your church. Zoom in on the Capitol in Washington, D.C. and pray for our nation. God knows our nation needs prayer. We do this thing in my family called 60 Second Preach, where everybody in the house has to run around the house and find something and preach on it for 60 seconds. This is how I get all my sermon illustrations. (laughs) Find ways to engage the Lord in your home to get a word from God for every one of your children. Five years ago on Father's Day, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to give everyone in your family a gift and I want you to write a prophetic word and give it to them on Father's Day. You know, because Father's Day, you get some little tie they bought on your credit card. It's just awful and you blink and it's gone. And God said, I didn't make you to be a receiver. I made you to be a giver. That's why you're always disappointed on Father's Day. I made you to be a giver. I want you to give on Father's Day. Because what do all fathers want? All we want is influence. All we want in the life of our children and our spouse is influence. So every Father's Day, I give my children the biggest gift I give them all year. It's bigger than Christmas, bigger than their birthday. And I give them a written prophetic word. Do you know how many people in this room have never received a prophetic word from their parent? Never received a prophetic word from their parent. And a lot of our children, they go to different schools and environments where they receive demonic prophecies. And demonic prophecies are so short, you remember it. If you were ever bullied, these are demonic prophecies. You're dumb. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're fat. Nobody likes you. You're a failure. You're a loser. These are all demonic prophecies that can be spoken over our children, and our children come home, and they're quiet about it. And here we are quiet about it. Anytime the enemy opens his mouth, we need to open ours. We need to put a word against a word. We can no longer afford to be silent. Well, I'm not an absentee father. You don't have to leave home to be absent. You can be in the car and be absent. You can be in the living room and be absent. You can be at the dining room table and be absent. We are all on our phones sitting around the table. We're alone together. The Mayo Clinic says the average family spends 90 seconds together a day. 
Not under the same roof, together, in a room, talking, engaging, full attention, 90 seconds. We can do better than 90 seconds. We have to do better than 90 seconds. We can do better than 90 seconds a day, engaging our children and writing a prophetic word over their life. This is what Mary and Joseph did for Jesus. They heard from God and, and, and spoke destiny over his life. This is what Samson's parents got from the angel of the Lord and spoke it over Samson. Parents need to get in the presence of God and say, God, show me in a dream or a vision what you want my child to be so that I can train them in the way they should go. How can you train them in the way they should go if you don't know which way they should go? So what we do is we, we go to our children. We say, mom and dad are going to make a lot of money so you can be whatever you want. But we don't go to God and say, God, let me be what I want. We go to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? God, I want to fulfill your plan for my life. I want to reach your destiny for my life. And then we go to our kids and say, do what you want. Be what you want. Go talk to that guidance counselor that didn't raise you. Let them speak over your life. How about we get a word from God for our children and we stop operating on feelings and we start operating on sights. If all the lights in this room were to go off right now, you know how you'd get out of here? You'd get out by feeling and you'd move really slow. But if all the lights were on, you could run out of here. That's why the Bible says, write the vision, make it plain that all that sea may run. And you know when you don't have vision because you can tell by the way you talk. You talk by using the word feelings. I just feel like so-and-so. Maybe I feel. Let's see how I feel. I used to feel. Maybe I'll feel. You feel because you can't see. We have to stop operating on feelings and start operating on sight. And saying, God, show me in a dream or a vision the plan and the destiny and the purpose that you have for every single one of my children. There's a, vain, a very famous story for the sake of time. I won't read it all in the book of Mark where a father has a son who's possessed by demons. And this boy is literally trying to kill himself. The Bible says he's thrown himself in the fire. He's thrown himself in the waters, tried to kill himself. Suicide is the leading cause of death amongst teenagers in our nation. In fact, where's all the grandparents? Would you just raise your hand if you're a grandparent? Actually, would you just stand up if you're a grandparent? Would you just stand up if you're able to? Would you just stand up just for a second? Look at all these beautiful grandparents. Can we celebrate them? Can we just celebrate these beautiful grandparents? Just remain standing. Just remain standing for a second. I want to say something to all the grandparents. Suicide is the leading cause of death amongst teenagers in our, in our nation. And do you know it is a statistical fact that if a teenager has a healthy relationship with their grandparent, they have almost a 0% chance of suicide. 0%. Do you know why? Because grandparents are unconditional love. That's why when we get them back from their grandparents, we have to re-educate them. <laughs> because grandparents are unconditional love. And maybe our kids don't need more medication. Maybe what they need is a healthy relationship with their grandparents. So I want you, I want, I want all of you that are seated, would you just stretch forth your hand to one of these beautiful saints of God that are standing? Father, I prophesy over every grandparent, Lord, that the words they speak, the influence in the life of their children and grandchildren 
would not diminish with age, but grow. That the words they speak would literally be legacy, that they prophesy over their children. I speak health and healing into their bodies. And I prophesy that the best days of their life are in front of them, not behind them. That everything they put their hands to will prosper. And that all of their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will spend eternity in heaven in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, give God a big praise all over the house. You can be seated. Thank God for grandparents. A grandparent can do more to save your teenager than anything in this world. And this father was losing his child and he brought him to the disciples. The disciples couldn't do anything with him and then Jesus looks at the teenager and the father and says, bring the boy to me. I could preach a month on that one statement. Bring the boy to me. Bring him to me. We have to get our kids to Jesus. To Jesus. Not just to this, not just to that. Do you know we run our kids everywhere? We take them everywhere. Do you know that the average parent spends anywhere from $23 to $2,700 a year annually on extracurricular activities? Do you know you spend anywhere from three to 400 hours a year on extracurricular activities? Some of my kids play extracurricular, activity, extracurricular activities. I have to pay for my son Nicholas to play football, and then I have to pay to watch him play football. <laughs> 23 to $2,700 a year, three to 400 hours. And that's not the, the, the scary part. The scary part is the odds of your teenager taking that extracurricular activity with them into adulthood is 0.005%. That your kid with that saxophone is gonna be Kenny G. I went in our kids' department the other week. I looked in there. I came back and told the parents. I said, I looked in there. They're not all going in the NFL. They're not all going in the NBA. I looked in that room. They're not all going to make it, but they can all serve Jesus. They can all be filled with the Holy Spirit. They can all fulfill God's plan and destiny for their life. So we have to determine what is our priority. We have to get them to Jesus. This is the heart. This is the focus. Our kids are on these cell phones. The average age a kid is getting a phone is age eight. So the, the new iPhone just came out last week. So a lot of you are getting ready to buy it and you're gonna give the old one to your kids. Christmas is coming up. You're getting ready to give them a phone for the first time. The average parent spends five, 10 minutes having a conversation with their kid about a phone. They're on this anywhere from seven to nine hours a day. And you're gonna have a five minute conversation and say, don't do something silly. They're gonna do something silly. And then you're gonna take it away for a week and give it right back? This is the same issue Joanna and I were running into with cell phones. That's why we started, we started uh, America's first online course that teaches students how to use a cell phone in a safe and responsible way called Cell Phone Permanent. It's an eight-hour course that you walk through with your child on video. It's like it's a video curriculum that you walk them through because we were in the same situation. And pray for us because we're getting ready to get on Shark Tank. Somebody say amen about that. So pray that God gives us favor with it. 
But we needed, we needed to teach our children how to do this. How do we, if your child gets an inappropriate picture from another student, do they know what to do with it? Are you convinced they know what to do with it? Because if they send it to another student, now they're trafficking child porn. And most parents don't realize this till attorneys are involved. Do you know how your child is handling this? Have you taught them how to use this in a safe and responsible way? It's 36 hours before you can get a driver's license in the state of Minnesota. 36 hours of training. We're not talking to our kid 36 minutes about a cell phone. We just give it to them. See, the challenge is my generation was one of the first generations to get cell phones. And you read, they they send you all these contracts. You don't read it. You just accept, 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 accept. You just accept it. And what we did for our children was we modeled, we, we wanted from our children transparency, but we modeled privacy. No, you can't have my phone. No, you, that's mom and dad's phone. You can't have our password. But then we wanted transparency, but we modeled privacy. Children are terrible at doing what you ask them to do. They're the worst at it. They're literally the worst. Didn't I ask you to do this? How many times do I have to ask you? Didn't your mother just ask you? If we have to ask you one more time, come on, parents, am I the only parent in here? Children are terrible at doing what you ask them to do, but they are amazing at doing what they see you do. They will do what they see you do without you even asking. So what are we modeling? What are we modeling for our children? Are we investing in our marriage for our children? Any investment into your marriage is an investment into your child and your grandchild. Sometimes I just tell the children, your mother and I are going amazing places. We're gonna eat amazing food and you're not gonna be there. (laughs) I just want mommy, I just want, everybody wants mommy. You're not the only one that wants mommy. I lined all my kids up one day and I told them, I said, I love you, I love you. There's nothing in this world I wouldn't do for you, but you just need to know. Out of all of you, your mother is the only one I chose. <laughs> yes, we get in bad moods. We have eight children. Yes, you're gonna have hard days and difficult days, but I don't wanna come in the house and be like, hey, dad's in a bad mood, leave me alone. Hey, guys, I'm just in a bad mood. Leave me alone. Hey, guys, your, your father's in a bad mood. Let's leave him alone. Mom, mommy's in a bad mood. Just, just leave her alone today. Because then when they turn teenagers, I'm in a bad mood. Leave me alone. I want to come in the house and say, guys, I have had the worst day today. I need my entire family to pray for me. Guys, I've had, mom's had an awful day. Come on, guys. Let's all come around mom and pray for her today. Dad, dad's had a hard day, just stressful day. He, he's just, everything has gone wrong. Let's all come around that, so that when they turn teenagers and they have a bad day, they walk in the house and say, I've had an awful day today. I need my whole family to pray for me. How I many of you want your teenagers to walk in the house? They're terrible at doing what you ask them to do. They're amazing at doing what they see you do. Write down your family values. The clothes that you're wearing, the company has values. The, the car you drove here, the company has values. Your church has values. How do you not have family values? Does your children know your family values? 
If you don't have family values in the world, we'll tell you what you value. So when my teenager comes to me and says football practice is every Wednesday and they don't, that means I couldn't go to youth group, he already knows. You're not playing football for that team. Because one of our family values is we will do nothing consistently that consistently takes us out of God's house. Can you miss a Sunday? Absolutely. Can you miss a Wednesday? Absolutely. But you're not doing it consistently. Another family, and if you don't set your value, the coach will tell you your values. So either you set your values or the world will tell you your values. Another family value is God speaks to me no matter my age. No matter my age, God speaks to me. That you're gonna be a prophet in your home. Teach your children how to apologize. Let them see you apologize. Let them see you apologize to your spouse. To be honest with your spouse. Get rid of the crazy cycle in your home. You know the crazy cycle where you, your wife points out something you don't do and then you point out something she doesn't do and then she points out something you don't. Has anybody ever gone down the crazy cycle before? Joanna and I stopped that by just being honest. She'll come to me and say, how come you can't, how come you can't change the toilet paper roll on the toilet paper? My God, you are 44 years old. How old do you have to be to change the toilet paper holder? And I used to point out things she would do. Now I just say, I don't know. I think I'm too lazy to get up and go in the other room and get toilet paper. And if I leave just a little bit, then it's somebody else's problem. And I clearly have a problem and I need you to pray for me. And I'm just honest. How come you leave this much milk left in the container? Why would you do that? My Lord, it's not enough for anything. I don't know. I think if I drink it all, I feel like a glutton. So if I leave just a little bit, it's somebody else's problem. I, I have, I am dysfunctional and I need you to pray for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And you just learn to be honest. You learn to apologize. You have to teach your children how to apologize. Teach them. You're not gonna just say demonic prophecies over your, your, your little sister. You're not gonna go to your little sister and you're like, you're the most annoying sister in the world, I can't stand you. No, no. No, you will not be Satan's evangelist in our home. You're not gonna be filled with hate because hate is how you make Satan your pastor. You're not gonna be filled with hate. You're going to apologize. Well, I'm sorry. Okay, well, I'm sorry is an incomplete sentence. What are you sorry for? And then you need to redeem it with a godly prophecy. I'm sorry that I said you're the most annoying sister in the world. That's actually not true. You're actually the greatest sister in the world. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll probably heal people all over the world. You'll probably be a multimillionaire and change the world for Jesus Christ. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. That's how we apologize in our home. Can somebody say amen? You have to practice this. One other family value is we care about other people than ourselves. You're raising parents. The, uh, the kid on the plane watching a phone, an iPad, with no headphones at full volume, becomes the adult on a plane watching a movie on their phone with no headphones at full volume. And what they're saying is, I don't care about the people around me. You have to train them. They are a future mom, a future dad, a future leader. You have to train them. Listen, we ate. We're gonna pick up this table. It looks like a bunch of wild hyenas ate here at the restaurant. We're not gonna leave French fries all over the ground. Well, that's the server's job. I don't care if it's the server's job. We care about other people than ourselves. Take the shopping cart, 
back to the little corral thing. Well, that's somebody else's job. I don't care if it's somebody else's job. We care about other people than ourselves. This is a value we have in our home. Write your family values down. Make sure your children know them. Write a prophetic word in their home. And every time you walk in their, in their bedroom to pray for them at night, prophesy that over them again and again and again and again. And declare the word of God over every single one of them. And this, this child that came to Jesus, the father said that he could not hear or speak. There are some demonic spirits that come against your child that affect their ability to hear and speak. When you're talking to them, it's like nothing's getting through. What's wrong with you? Why are you acting like this? They can't communicate. This is demonic. And you have to pray over your child and ask God for an anointing. And Jesus said, this kind, what kind? The kind of demonic spirit that comes against your child's ability to hear and speak. This kind can only be driven out but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Is this helping anybody? Psalms 127 and four says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children born of your youth that our children are our arrows. They're the long-range weapon in the spirit. They will go into environments that we will never go into. They will see things that we will never see. And when this verse was written, the guy who wrote it couldn't just run down to the sporting goods store and buy arrows, so he had to make the arrows. The guy who shot them made them. What are you saying? I'm saying you have to make your arrows. You have to form your arrows, and we only have, we have a limited supply. One, two, five. We don't have an unlimited amount of arrows. Write the vision, make it plain for every one of them. Romans 12 and 10, be devoted one to another in love and honor. Bring honor up in your home. The, the less honor you have, the more rules you have to have. Teach your, teach your children honor, especially, uh, I don't even want my older sons to sit down and eat until their sisters have been served. If I see, if I see Alexander sit down and eat, and start eating, and his four little sisters have not been served, I'm like, get up, fix their plate, sit down, and pull the chair out for them, and serve them. Why? Because I want my daughters accustomed to honor. So that when they go on their first date at 35 or 40, and the guy doesn't open the door for them, doesn't pull the chair out for them, they go, my own brother shows me more honor than you. A lot of women get into relationships they should never get into because they were not accustomed to honor. Oh, my Lord. How many of you want your daughters accustomed to honor? Honor them. And yes, you're going to make mistakes. Yes, you're going to blow it. You're totally going to screw up. And that's why you've got to let go of the gravity of grace and let grace go to your parents. We're good at letting grace go down, but sometimes we need to let grace go up teaching your children to let grace go up to you, letting your children know that you're gonna make mistakes and learning to apologize so that they learn how to apologize, that it doesn't minimize you at all when you apologize. Joanne and I, we were first-time parents and we, uh, we had Alexander and, and so we, my family's from the Bahamas, so we flew down here to Orlando and we took a little puddle jumper plane over. We're getting ready to leave to go over to Nassau and so we get out there on the tarmac. You know, your first time parents, you got all the things that you 
you think you need, but you don't know that you don't need. So we got giant diaper bags and wipe warmers and all the other nonsense that you get with first-time parents. So we got it all out there. And so we get out there and it's this little propeller plane and, and we give them the, you know, starting to give them the stuff. And she goes, I gotta go to the restroom real quick. And I said, that's fine, I'll give them everything. And so I give them the diaper bags and, and the stroller and the Karens. She comes back and she says, where's Alexander? I said, you have Alexander, you took him with you. She goes, I don't have Alexander. And she looks and she goes, oh my gosh, you folded him up in the stroller. And I did, I didn't know he was in there. And, and it, was the, it was just that big Eddie Bauer stroller with the canopy over it. And I thought she had him, I just folded him up and they was getting ready to put him under the plane. So we've all made mistakes. And he survived, he's here in the front row today. Give him a big God bless you. He's, Quite a testimony of God's saving grace. You're gonna make mistakes. A Harvard study says eating meals together as a family leads to improved psychological health, lower rates of alcoholism, drug abuse, early sexual activity, suicide, eating disorders, all from just spending a meal together. You have to decide what your win is. What is your win? What is your it that when Joanna and I are sitting there and the gray hair is in and we look at the kids and the grandkids and we go, we won. What is your win? You have to determine what your win is. So for Joanna and I, it's our children want to spend time with us, want to spend time with each other. They want to spend time with Jesus and spend time with his church, even when they don't have to. I don't care how much money you make and you don't want to spend time with Jesus. I don't wanna spend 20 years raising you and you wanna talk to me 20 minutes a year. Do you know how many people don't even talk to their siblings? It's been years since they spoke to their siblings. What is your win? So for us, this becomes the filter by which we make every parenting decision. Is this gonna make them wanna spend time with us? Is this this gonna make them wanna spend time with each other? Is this gonna make them wanna spend time with Jesus? Is this gonna make them love the church? Stay-at-home parents don't produce church-going children. Well, we're not going to church today. We're going to have family time. Is it really family time or is dad watching the news, mom's on her iPad and kids are on their phone? Maybe you'd have more family time riding to church as a family, worshiping as a family, hearing the word of God as a family, serving as a family, going out to lunch afterwards as a family. For most of us, our best family time throughout the week is church time. So to put a greater priority on our home, teaching our children to restore broken relationships, Teach them to do this. Joanna and I learned this from, from a, a, a pastor. How do we, how do we teach and, re, and teach our children to restore broken relationships? This, this pastor had two junior high sons. They were being watched by a nanny, came home, and him and his wife asked the nanny how to go. She said, honestly, it didn't go really well. They were really dishonoring. The next morning, the mom got up, says, get up, because they're junior high boys. They're getting ready. They're just starting to value money. She said, get up. You're gonna write a one-page letter apologizing to your nanny. Then you're gonna take your money that you earned cutting grass. We're gonna go to the floor. She's gonna buy, each of you are gonna buy her a dozen roses. Then we're going to her job and you're gonna read this apology to her in front of her coworkers. And they were like, just spank us. (laughs) Because they they would have much rather just had a spanking 
than they would have had to humble themselves to restore honor. But you cannot, you cannot repair something without humility. See, when we just take something away for our kids, you can take it away, but it didn't teach them to restore. It's not enough just to take something away. You have to learn to fix it. A lot of people, when they have problems in church, they just leave. They have problems at work, they just leave. Something goes wrong, they just leave because they were never taught to fix it. Fix the relationship. That's why they, I don't like it, I get out of the marriage. I leave the church. I quit the small group. I stop the serving team because you were never taught to fix relationships. You just leave every time something goes wrong. Well, guess what? Things are going to go wrong. You're going to make mistakes. Other people are going to make mistakes. But this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love is patient. Love is patient. Guys, listen to me. They did a study on men from 40 to 60, and they did a study on men from 20 to 40. Same with women. From 20 to 40, men are focused on trying to get somewhere. They're focused on building a brand. They're trying to make an image. They're trying to make money. Women are not focused on that from 20 to 40. They're focused on character development. They're focused on their children. They're focused on the family. It flips at 40. Now that the children are grown, they're ready to be CEOs. Men at now 40 realize money's not everything. Most of them have lost the relationship with their children and their spouse, if not been divorced. The problem is by the time you realize it, the kids are grown. You are going to make more money from 40 to 60 than you are 20 to 40, but you cannot go back and reparent. Most CEOs are in their 70s. Most people become president in their 70s. Your most fruitful years financially are 60 to 80. So why are you sacrificing the parenting and the marriage from 20 to 40 when you're making the leap? You are selling your birthright for a bowl of soup. Do not do it. Focus on the parenting because love is patient. If I move at my normal pace, I just walk at my normal pace, my twins can't keep up with me. They can't keep up with me. So for me to walk with them, I have to slow down. In order for us to walk together as a family, we have to slow down. And I hope you model this. Because hear me, please hear me. If you live long enough, you're going to need your children to slow down for you. So I hope you raised patient children who saw that love is patient. And it's more important that we go together than that I go by myself. Can I get a big amen about that? You can come play something. Come play something for me. Just play something romantic, I guess. But You know, this, this heart on parenting is... It is challenging and it is difficult and I don't, I don't minimize it at all. And I know sometimes it's in our attempt to reach our children. It's like the ring and the drain. Sometimes in your attempt to reach it, you push it. And I didn't mean to push it. I was trying to reach it. This is why we need an anointing that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Only from the Lord can we do this. And Paul says love is patient. He says love is kind that our words mean so much to our children. And you guys can read. Um, there's a great book 
called for parents only talks about the four stages of parenting. You have the discipline years, zero to five, the training years, five to 12, the coaching years or 12 to 18, the friendship years are 18 plus. And listen to me, if you, if you try to dodge that and go, well, they're so cute right now, I'm not gonna discipline, I'm gonna discipline later. You missed it. And you can cram, hear me, you can cram for a test. You're not gonna cram parenting. You're not gonna get to 16, 17, go, oh, I didn't do it, let me try to get it all in. You're not gonna cram parenting. Parenting is seed, time, and harvest. Put the time in now. They are worth it. They are worth it. And I, I wanna leave you on, on, with some encouragement today because every time Joanne and I would hear a sermon on parenting, we'd always feel, you know, a little discouraged or feel like, you know, we're failing, but you're, you're not failing. You're not failing. And I want my kids so full of the Holy Spirit that the world, I don't know who you are, but I, I, want, I want revival in my home. It's like Peter. You remember Peter when Peter betrayed the Lord and he was sitting by the fire and the woman came up to him and said, hey, aren't you one of those disciples? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not one of them. And she said, yeah, yeah. She said, you one of them. And he tried to cuss. And she said, even when he tried to sin, this, this, this is what the Bible says. It says, she, she looked at him and said, she said, no, you, you, you one of them. She said, even your speech betrays you that I want my kids so full of the Holy Spirit that when they try and do wrong, the world would reject them. We don't want to get high around you because we know your mama got the Holy Ghost. We don't, we don't, we don't want, you don't even cuss right. You don't even, you don't even get high right. You don't know how to, I, I want the world to reject them. I want them so full of the Lord. And for every parent in here who feels like my child is not where they need to be with Jesus. I feel like I'm a failure because my kids made mistakes. Just because your kids made mistakes doesn't mean you're a bad parent. I'll prove it to you. Jesus is the greatest father ever. And his kids, and I'm one of them, have made a lot of mistakes. So if it was, if you're a great dad, your kids don't make mistakes, and that would mean God is a bad father. Because how many of you like me or one of his kids and you've made some really bad mistakes. Maybe we need to give ourselves the grace and give our parents the grace to be what God has called us to be. But here's the prophetic word I have for all of you. Jeremiah 31, 16, the children of Israel, their children had been taken captive. They felt like they had lost their children. And here's the word of the Lord. It says, thus saith the Lord, refrain your voices from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your works shall be rewarded. All those times you brought them to church and it looked like it wasn't making a difference. All the time you brought them here and, and, and getting them dressed and where is your shoe? Where is your other shoe? I have to have 20 shoes to leave the house, 20. We can't leave with 19, 20. All of that, reading the word of God over their heart at night, prophesying over them. Take your works shall be rewarded. Single moms, bringing them here. Your works shall be 
rewarded. Praying over him. Their work shall be rewarded. And put that verse back up for me. Here's the prophecy for every parent who feels like their child's not where they need to be. It says, they shall come home from the land of the enemy. I prophesy that over every parent in this room who feels like their child is not where they need to be with Jesus today. They shall come home from the land of the enemy. There's so much more. I just scratched the surface on this. You can get the book and the cell phone resource. We've got that available out there. But I just want you to keep speaking that over your family, over your children. And get that prophetic word from Jesus. you get something out of this today? Can you give the Lord a big praise? Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Actually, let's end, let's end the service this way. Let's end the service this way because this is a revival service. How many of you go, Pastor, this touched my heart and I've got, I've got areas within my children that I need Jesus to do a work. If that's you as a parent, would you just come down to the front? Don't wait on anybody. Just step down and come down here to the front. I want us to pray over all of our children. There is nothing more important to Jesus than our children. There's nothing more important to us than our families. Nothing more important. Just come all the way down. I want to pray over every family, over every home, over every, every child. God will place in your child the desires of their heart. I went to, uh, I was down here visiting a few years ago and I went to, we were with the whole family down at one of the Disney stores. And my daughter Isabella found this little ring and she came up to me and she said, she had a little mouse ring. She must've been five years old. She looked at me, she said, can I have it? And I said, no, put that down. You can't have anything. Everybody leave because it's like blood in the water to sharks. And when one gets one, they all want something. And so I said, let's leave. And I don't know what it costs, $175,000 at Disney. And, and I told my wife, I said, take them a little further down there. I, I'm going to go back and get her this little ring. It was around November. And I went back and, and I got the ring. And on Christmas morning, I gave it to her. And when she opened it, she saw this little ring. When she saw the ring, she dropped the ring and grabbed me. And it taught me in that moment that God will give you the desires of your heart as long as when you get it, you're willing to drop it to grab him. God will place in you as a parent the vision and the dream for your children. So I want every parent to lift their hands all over the room. Father, I prophesy over every family. Somewhere, Lord, in the heart that pumps blood to that hand in the air is a dream. I pray that that dream would be a reality. That hell will not see our family. I curse every demonic prophecy that's been spoken over our children. That suicide and suicidal thoughts are broken in the name of Jesus. I speak life into every home and every child. And God, I prophesied Deuteronomy 33, 25 over these parents that as their days are, so shall their strength be. Now, will every parent say this with me? Say in Jesus' name, my children 
will reach their destiny. That they will become like Jesus. That everything they put their hand to will prosper. Give my children visions and dreams. Speak to their heart. Mold their life. And I cover them in the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a big praise as pastor comes. Come on, give Jesus a praise, amen. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.